Thank you for joining us this week on Happified. I am so happy to introduce you to Tessa Heyman. She's a registered nurse, a burnout specialist, and co-founder of Prosperity Coaches. So today we are really digging into the topic of burnout, how to recognize and recover from it, really strengthen yourself in a really demanding profession that is medicine. So if you or someone you know or love is a nurse, a doctor, a paramedic, or someone else affiliated with medicine, there's a lot of great information, some resources and tools that you're going to find inside this conversation. Glad you joined us today. Sit back and enjoy. Hey there, friends. Are you looking for tools to resolve stress, reliable information to support your whole health, tips to help you motivate yourself? and identify when motivation is fading before it happens, implementation, accountability, and someone to remind you to celebrate even the small successes, where you could find tools you can use and accountability in a community that cheers you on, where information about health trends and lifestyle is reliable and straightforward. I know that you have what it takes to up-level your health habits and restore your resilience. You just might need a boost to start building momentum. I've designed a membership where you can choose the level of support you'd like to get every month, whether it's tuning in to connect with like-minded change makers or getting personalized support with one-on-one coaching to help you chart your path to success. Check out the link for the Velocity membership at happifiedlife.com. Special pre-launch pricing is now available for premium support, but you can jump in for free. If you just want to test the waters, I look forward to seeing you inside. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you all with us this week for this conversation, which is particularly relevant in these times. I want to introduce you to Tessa Heyman. She's a registered nurse and burnout specialist, along with the co-founder of Prosperity Coaches and the co-creator of the Prosperity Quotient or PQ test for short, which unlike learning about your IQ or your EQ actually teaches you how to harness your prosperity in a way that fits with your personality. She specializes in helping health professionals heal and recover from burnout and discover how to welcome prosperity into their lives. After her and her business partner both had their own experiences with burnout and particularly with this season that we are coming out of, we've just reached into spring 2021 when we're recording this conversation. Burnout in our medical profession is, I think we're really only seeing the tip of the iceberg at this stage in the game. So I'm so glad, Tessa, that you are doing the work that you are doing. You are here at exactly the right time. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. And my mother was a nurse also. She retired after 40 years working in labor and delivery. And a little bit of my observation of her experience is what has moved me to really start this conversation about stress. So I love that you are also moved to take action in this. And I'd like to hear a little bit about how you came through this journey from nursing to your current focus. Yes. Yeah. It's been quite a journey. (laughs) 
And really my burnout was a, a combination of things. I wasn't really in a job that I loved and I was in the job more because it was easy to get and it was a great paycheck. And so I loved positively contributing to my patients' lives. I worked in the hospital for a bit and I left that environment because it was a lot of on your feet and I didn't get the, the mental engagement in the environment that I was in that I was looking for. So I switched to community nursing and I got a specialty in palliative care, which is all about really connecting with your patient, really providing for their needs. And it's essentially a lot of coaching and not just of the patient, but of their family, while also medically managing their symptoms. But as a community nurse, that was only a portion of my job. And the rest of the time I was doing things that I didn't personally enjoy. I know it lights up a lot of different nurses, but I didn't personally enjoy doing wound care or catheters or working with young children, having to put tubes in. And, and a lot of times, you know, the community nurse is being called into at a crisis, that step that either prevents or forces a family or a patient to go to the hospital. And so that portion of my job, I really didn't enjoy. And then I got injured several times on the job in a very short period of time. And I ended up out of the field and in the office. And I ended up in a charge nurse role, really managing the day-to-day -day activities that were all of the nurses. We had a uh, hundred nurses on our team and about 50 working every single day. So I was helping to manage all of those moving pieces and taking care of an active patient load of between two and 5,000 patients a week. So for me, as you know, while it was enjoyable to a degree, making sure everybody was getting safe and quality care as much as possible, being in the office wasn't working for me. And it was also, I wasn't feeling like in a position to heal. I wasn't in an environment where I, I wanted to heal. And I didn't like a large portion of the things I was doing in the field. So I ended up, my body just wasn't responding. And so I, I ended up leaving the community nursing field. And I recovered very quickly once I left debating, you know, what do I do? Do I go back? What were the parts of my job that I enjoyed and figuring out that whole, how do I still do nursing, which I love, but I'm in the right environment and I'm doing work that I actually feel connected with and that I actually feel is meaningfully contributing to others. And so it was through that route of self-discovery that I discovered coaching and thinking about all the struggles my colleagues had been experiencing and had no idea how to get support, how to find community, how to find people that understood them and actually could help them move forward in their career, in the environment they were in, or if that environment absolutely was not working for them, how to help them go to a healthier environment or an environment that was right for them without feeling like they're going from the pan to the fire. Right. So many people, you know, when they burn out as nurses, and as medical professionals, there's a rate of burnout of 200%. So I'm not surprised your mother had her own experience and maybe she didn't know it was burnout. A lot of professionals don't really know what they're experiencing and that it is burnout, but at a rate of 200% means that at least twice every professional's career, they're going to experience burnout. It is almost inevitable unless you are doing all of the little things that it requires to manage your life and not be in that state. So I myself got coaching. I went through several coaching programs, trying to figure out what was missing in my life, what I needed and where my skills and my talents were and what made me such a good palliative nurse and how I could really make the same contribution and 
essentially still do nursing. Like what I do now is still nursing. And I feel like a lot of people think, oh, if you're not on a hospital medical floor, then you're not nursing. That's really not true. There's so many different ways of doing your job in ways that might seem unconventional, but are perfect for you. And so I help people to really figure that out, whether they are in the right field and they just need some maybe shifting of their perspective or they need some better tools or strategies to help them not just at work, but also at home and dialing that in, making it really personal for them. And if they're not in the right environment, helping them to actually find the right one, the one that's going to be best fitting for them. And that's what my coaches and I've probably done about over the last four years, I've probably spent about a hundred thousand dollars in coaching and personal development and really expanding my tool belt so that I can show up for my clients and show up for the medical professionals that need the kind of support. So they don't have to go through the same things that I did. And I think that's, there's a lot of really great value and terrific points that you've brought up in that. And the last point that you made about your investment in your own wellness and gaining this perspective and the tools that work for you. And continuing that so that you have this breadth of work and tools that you can share with your clients because different things work for different people. And so you have to really be able to engage with them and get that feedback. Is this working? Okay, let's try this you know, little modulation or let's try something different entirely and see what resonates with you, right? So really being able to dial that in and personalize it is huge. And I really love that you put a focus on helping people recognize and that you found this value in it yourself. What is it that I love about what I'm doing and what is it that I don't? Because we get into the fray, we get into this high gear and we don't give ourselves that opportunity for this self-examination to even understand what is it that's pushing me to burnout? It's not every aspect of it. There might be a pretty small number of things that are tipping the scales. You know, like you said, that, that might be non-negotiable. We were chatting before we hopped on and came live and you were talking about paramedics, for example. You know, they might feel burned out working a city in a city job area in a city role or yeah, exactly in that environment. And perhaps it's not that they want to quit being a paramedic. Perhaps it's just the environment there. Maybe they would do better in a rural setting. Maybe they would do better with the smaller team or a larger team, depending on what they're in right now. Maybe you're the world paramedic and it's like, this job is not exciting enough for you or is not as much opportunity for growth because you have rural budgets come with rural jobs. So it's really about looking at where you are right now. What is the ideal place that you want to be? Like if you could have your dream paramedic or your dream nurse or your dream doctor, your dream pharmacist or physiotherapist job or dream social worker job, what does that look like? And there are going to be components that overlap with where you are actually right now. So one of the things I take my clients through is to really get this clear so that if they can't get those things in their current environment, they know what to look for and they actually become the interviewer of their next employer, their next environment, rather than being the one interviewed. And so I help them really to dial in that. What is it that you have now? What are the components that you actually do like of your job right now? What's your dream job? And, and taking a look at that overlap and what can you pull into your present job that would help you feel like this is more ideal for you and how exactly to do that. 
Yeah, I love that. Shining a light on what is there with what you have right now? What can you make work for you? And what does your level of stress or if you're dealing with burnout need in order to help you come back into balance? Is it a totally different job description or a little bit of a pivot? So I think that's really empowering because a lot of people, when they reach that point of burnout, they think, the whole thing is broken. I've got to throw in the whole thing. What do I do next? And then they spin out and, you know, feeling lost and without direction because they feel like they have to start over. So I would imagine then that your clients feel some empowerment coming through when they start to recognize, oh, there are things that I still love about my job. And the fact is, is like most clients come in thinking they just need a different job. And the fact is 70% of clients, once they go through our program, are able to stay in the same environment. They're able to stay in the same job and they're able to completely shift how they feel showing up in that role. But there are still 30% of people on average that will need to find a new job, that will need to find a new environment. And part of that is we're never doing something that they loved to begin with. They might love their patients, but maybe the tasks of the actual job, maybe the actual environment you're in is not what you enjoy. Like for me, I enjoyed the palliative portion of my job, but because over 50% some days, some weeks were tasks that I just didn't like doing. And I didn't look forward to, it was part of, you know, contributing to that miserable feeling. That is something you have to look at and acknowledge is that like, there are always going to be jobs that there's a portion that you may not enjoy, but how, what the percentage of your job that requires you to do those tasks, you know, 30, 40%, we might be able to live it. And each person is different. Maybe a different person could live with 50% of their job they don't enjoy. And they really just build themselves up in the 50% that they do. For me, that wasn't enough. But for many other people, maybe it is. That's going to be a question that you each individually have to answer and really decide what portion of your job do you need to love and what portion of your part can you, job can you tolerate so that it's not wearing you down or draining you. And you're getting more fulfillment from the percentage of your job that you love. And you're really focusing and harnessing that part of your job. Yes, absolutely. Accentuate the positive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when people come to you or when people hear about the work that you do, I would imagine, and so this is a question I think could be really valuable for our listeners, is you know, what's the difference between stress and burnout? How do I know that this is a burnout situation that really demands attention? Stress, especially in the medical professional field, is never going to be gone. Stress is understanding that you are responsible for people's lives and for the outcomes that they experience to a degree, right? And so certain fields are going to come with stress. And stress is really tied to responsibility and how responsible you feel for the individuals that you're caring for. Whereas burnout, burnout is really a combination of a number of things. And the biggest myth is that it is a problem that can be solved. And it isn't. It isn't that because burnout comes from exhaustion. And that exhaustion is not always just physical. Oftentimes it's spiritual, it's emotional, it's mental, it's psychological. It's also coming to do with feeling inability to connect or connect as deeply with your patients, with your colleagues, with your clients, with your family, with your friends, with your spouse. It's that loss of feeling connected or grounded. You know, sometimes it's described as compassion fatigue. It can also be a cynicism, a pervasive 
negative attitude that nobody cares about the work that I'm doing, never going to be recognized. It's not really important. You know, nobody appreciates me. I'm not valued. I'm not feeling heard or validated. So when you have all those things, which on their own, maybe not seem as big of a deal, but with burnout, they just keep stacking, right? They keep stacking and none of them feel like they're being addressed or shifted or changed or improved. And that's really because what burnout is, is it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma between productivity and feeling competent, right? A lot of people feel like if I'm not productive, I'm not competent. They're actually very different things, but it is a balance between productivity and personal health, well-being. And so because it's those two things, it's a constant teeter-totter. And when we're focused too much on being productive and we're not taking care of ourselves, then we're going to feel that burnout rate even faster. It's going to spiral even faster. And when we are really trying to take care of ourselves, there's going to be times where you feel like you're not being productive. You might actually feel like you're not competent. And that can be one of the biggest lies that even though we think we're taking care of ourselves, because we're actually piling on the judgment or piling on the guilt or piling on maybe even shame, So even though we think we're taking care of ourselves, we're still increasing the rate of burnout. So it's how to bring these two things in balance in a healthy way that we can actually be at peace with and enjoy and really leave aside the negative connotations that the industry, that this field that we're in, oftentimes project onto self-care. That's probably one of the biggest things I can say. If people can just start to grasp that, they're going to really be able to start shifting things. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful way of looking at it. Right. And we do tend to compartmentalize. So I love your illustration of this as a balance and, you know, there's a direct impact. And so you're never going to be free of either, but if you can bring that into balance, which leads me to another question that I hear a lot, I have my own opinion, but in terms of finding that work-life balance, Is that like the next chapter after the burnout situation? Then stay tuned, folks. Come on back for round two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was saying, when you have a dilemma, you can't solve it. A dilemma means you need lifelong management. And it's not only about productivity at work. It's also about feeling productive in your home life. And how I mean productive, I mean like you're contributing. You feel like you're providing meaningful contribution or you're able to, you know, be a quality spouse, be a quality parent, give your friends the time that your relationships need to thrive, right? So that productivity isn't only at work. And so when you are thinking about work-life balance, that might seem like a myth because the fact is this teeter-totter is always going to be moving. You know, the myth of work-life balance is that it's just going to stay still. And that we only have to do a couple things and it's always going to stay in balance. That really is where the myth is, you know, because in a sense, we're on the roller coaster of life and what you're doing and how you're showing up every day and what your habits are, those are going to be part of what determine whether this teeter-totter really rocks back and forth in a massive, you know, creating those really big humps on the roller coaster, or is it just like little waves, you know, where you're just going over little bumps. You know, that's life is going to come up. You're going to have challenges. How are you handling them when they come up? 
Are you letting them derail you? Are you letting them be this big hill you have to climb on your roller coaster? Is it just like a little, a gentle little rise? Oh, I can already see where this is going to be improved and I'm going to be able to come back into balance, right? So I think people just understanding that nothing you do is going to be a permanent fix. Because even those of us like me who've done all the work, if I'm not careful, if I'm not really keeping up my habits and I'm not using the things that I have learned, sometimes I have to go back and reflect and be like, all right, I'm getting out of balance. What am I forgetting? What am I not putting into my routine or my rituals? Or what is it that I've dropped the ball on for myself a little bit or my family and having that awareness of like, okay, I got to pick that ball back up. And here's how I'm going to manage it in a healthy way. And you get back into that gentle, gentle teeter-totter. You know, it's not like, you know, little kids at the park, they're just like trying to fly each other up as high as they can and as hard as they can. And, you know, that doesn't really work in our life. That doesn't really work in an everyday life. You know, we need that little gentle rocking back and forth. That's what real work-life balance, work-life harmony is all about. Is just being able to recognize when the teeter-totter is tipping too much the other way and just gently bringing it back and understanding that that is the journey of life and having kind of like parameters or boundaries put in place so that when it does start tilting too much one way, you have the signals go off and say, hey, hey, we got to bring this back in the check. You know, something's not right here. We're starting to not feel good. We're starting to go back into an old pattern. You know, whatever it is that's not helping us, not serving us, we got to readjust this. You know, I hope that kind of addresses what you asked. Yeah. And I hope that that's really valuable for the folks who are listening or watching. If you can catch this on YouTube and get the teeter-totter visual, helps bring it all together. But that awareness piece is so essential. And that's why it's worth finding someone to work with. Because if you're not in a place where you can tune in and get that perspective for yourself, that outside perspective, developing the tools so that you can start putting those little guardrails into place and say, wow, I'm noticing it in my sleep or my digestion is off the rails again, or, you know, I'm starting to have that back pain and I don't want to have a situation. So here are the warning signs and let me go to my toolkit and see what I can do to bring myself into balance. It's so empowering to have that at your fingertips instead of waiting until the teeter totter comes slamming down on the other side and you get sidelined, you know, because I tell clients all the time, your body starts by making requests, right? It starts letting you know something's out of balance. And if you don't pick up on those signals, it starts issuing demands. And that's when you get sidelined and nobody has the time for that. I mean, you think it's stressful going to work and trying to manage life when those major health issues come up, because they will, if you don't pay attention to yourself, if you're working at max capacity, you don't have any reserves left, right? Something is going to take you offline, hopefully only for short-term and you don't have a long-term recovery, but that's the harder work. So that's what I really love to have these conversations and inspire people to start tuning in and noticing that things aren't where you want them to be because that recovery is a lot easier than making that big course correction. Yeah, for sure. A lot of times people are like, they might be experiencing symptoms, but they're not quite sure really what it is, right? They think, oh, I'm just tired. Well, waking up tired after you've had a full night's sleep, you know, if you're only sleeping, you know, two or three hours. Yeah. You might wake up tired. <laughs> That's not enough sleep for most people on this planet. But if you've had a full night sleeping, you're still waking up tired. There's a warning sign. If you're having constant days or repetitive days where you're having headaches, 
where your entire body is hurting, where you are snapping or irritable or grouchy all the time or agitated, making big things out of small things, you know, taking everything personally. And really when you're already feeling overwhelmed or overburdened, taking more things on your back, you know, those are all little wording signs that you're probably experiencing burnout and that you need to change that course, or you're going to end up in the very, especially in the healthcare field, potentially very dangerous position, right? What happens if you're caring for, you know, you're a doctor and you're going on your 48, 72 hours in a row and you pass out while trying to provide care. Now you're not helping anybody. And now you've just become the patient, right? A lot of times as medical professionals, we have the habit of just burning the match at both ends, so to speak, right? Or, you know, not realizing that we're constantly running on fumes and thinking the myth that is so pervasive in the medical field that that's just the job and that's just the way it's got to be. And that is a complete, you know, pardon my French bullshit lie that comes from very old thinking that you have to just constantly work stressed and tired. You know, if you think of the old nursing jokes, nurse Cratchit, right? Or when I graduated, there was still the saying, nurses eat their young. And those come from chronically burnt out professionals who don't think they need help and are the ones who need help the most. And actually a huge motivator for why I got into industry is I was just, I had initially got into coaching helping people overcome anxiety because it's something I managed to do for myself and something that part of I developed in part going through nursing school. And so as I started to coach people and help them to eliminate their anxiety, one of my coaches actually said to me, is it just people with anxiety? I said, no, it's actually nurses with anxiety that I feel most called to support. And I was doing some research about anxiety in the nursing field. And that's how I came across burnout. And I was like, this is what I went through. And it was such an an eye-opener for me. And then when I was in that line of research, I found out the statistics on nurse and physician suicide. And it was like a gut punch. I was like, there's no way that these super critical carers, caregivers, they feel worthless and lost and hopeless enough to take their own lives. Uh, when there's the, the value that they bring is so incredible. And because they've been burnt out for so long, not feeling heard, not feeling supported, not feeling like they have community or people that actually give a damn about what they're going through, they don't want to be here anymore. That was a very painful thought. And I thought, even if I can do something to change that trajectory, even a little bit, I mean, I'm one fish in the pond, but if I can help even a few other people to not feel that way, then it's something I have to do. So for me, that is the worst case scenario of what happens with medical professionals and burnout. And, you know, the more mild part is that people are just miserable. They're so unhappy, even though they know that their career has value and that it's necessary, it's needed. Our society would collapse if we didn't have medical professionals, <laughs> but to not really feel connected with that value and to think that they have to live so unhappy. They're really not happy. They're just surviving. Most medical professionals are just in survival mode, a constant state of survival mode. They're like, I've just got to be this way till I retire. <laughs> and it's not true. It's not true even a little bit. You absolutely can thrive. You absolutely can love your job and love your life and be super fulfilled and content and thrilled 
with the way your life is going if you have the tools and the foundation in place to do so. Yes. And it's tremendous. And that's why I love what you're putting together, what you're sharing in empowering these professionals to turn that train around. Because to your point of it starts so early, it starts in school. And I've heard people say, you know, it's so baked into the system. You know, residencies are designed to push doctors, you know, graduates to burnout. To the breaking point even. Right. I mean, you know, like, okay, a culling of the flock, but you're teaching them that it's okay to be burned out as they embark on this career. Throughout their career, they think like you were talking about these 72 hour on-call shifts or 40, you know, work in 12 hour days, all of the things that we push our medical professionals to step up to. And they think it's the way the system is. It's the way it's built. Who am I to be able to change it? I'm either in it or I'm out of it. And what the heck am I going to do if I'm out of it? I love things that I do, right? I love my patients. I might not like the system, but I love being valuable in this person's life and seeing the impact that I can have. But then as you're saying, when you power through to that point that you're just completely exhausted, you've got no reserves left, you're even disconnected from that value that you're bringing to your patients. And so it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see it start so early on and be so normalized within the career that we think it's great to push them out through graduation and your trial by fire is sink or swim. Exactly. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the industry has had that kind of attitude. I mean, it is getting better. There have been some subtle shifts coming, but the fact is any change comes from the bottom up. As much as we would love it to come from the bottom down and eventually it does start to come from the bottom down, you know, real change comes from the people who are most effective, most affected by it. And, you know, as we understand that for most medical professionals, the burnout starts in the education before you even get to the job. And some of that comes from the mentality that was for decades that the patient comes first. And while the patient is extremely important, they cannot come first. They have to come at the very minimum at the same level as the care of the health professional. The health professional is going to become the patient. And then you're not having anybody supporting anybody. <laughs> so just understanding that, you know, all of these things are important. And how do we really look at it from this holistic view, you know, and in the limited time available, a lot of people feel like they don't have a lot of time. And it's like, well, you don't have a time to have a meltdown or take a leave of absence from work too, which is what ends up happening, right? You don't have the time to quit your job. <laughs> you know, one of the things we do teach professionals in our program is that there's a financial component that gets lost in translation. And many people, you know, they feel like they don't have a choice because they do live about two paychecks away from not being able to pay their bills. We know that 80% of people around the world are not in a financially great position, even though they think they're okay. Who wants to be okay? Do you want to be okay? Or do you want to thrive? Do you want to feel like you have choice and options and some real freedom? Because if you do end up, or if you are in an environment that absolutely cannot continue, how do you transition without ending up in the same place? And do you have funding to allow you to make that shift at the speed that you need it to be at, right? That is an actual real part of our program where we teach medical professionals how not to just be a slave to their paycheck and to have more choice and more freedom around, you know, do you want to go part-time for a couple of years? Do you want to shift and do you want to do contract work? Do you want to be full-time? Do you have to be full-time? What if you don't have to? You know, do you, can you just work full-time hours instead of taking three, four extra shifts every paycheck? And you wonder why you're so exhausted. 
because you always feel like just to afford that vacation, you got to work an extra three shifts, which makes you need the vacation even more. But then you come back from vacation and the whole thing just starts again. You think vacation is going to be a solution, but you realize as soon as you come back, oh, you're just right back into the cycle. So it's a very interesting component that nobody really thinks about, but is actually so essential to keeping that harmony, that work-life balance going in these gentle waves rather than, you know, huge roller coaster up and down, up and down. And I think that's so powerful that you've incorporated that aspect into the way that you're working with your clients, helping them get well, just re- simply relieving the stress of their financial situation, right? I mean, that's what I love to do. You know, I do more generalized coaching with stress and I approach it from the emotional, environmental, and physical stressors, right? But the financial stressors, these are the sneaky things that add up to take away our capacity of resilience. So if we minimize all that we can, then we have that much more available. So when the teeter totter gets shaken, right? When we go on that ride, right? It's a little less tumultuous. We can come back to whatever mode of balance that is for us more easily. So I think that's so supportive. And I love that that's part of the conversation because people generally think, you know, medicine is a really solid field. It's very reliable. You're going to get your paychecks. You know, you're not going to be coming up short, but to your point, I mean, 80% of people don't have the reserves that they need to feel comfortable or confident if a crisis is coming up. And As evidenced in this last year, which I kind of think just was an opportunity for a spotlight to be shown on every single aspect of our society that was not in balance and has gone to the 10th degree of imbalance, financial security, the way that we manage stress, all of that certainly was like, wow, we really pulled back the cover. And to your point about our society would absolutely not function without the people who are our medical workers from the paramedics to the physicians and the specialists top to bottom. And we are just now getting to the point. I was talking with a friend of mine who's a charge nurse at a university hospital. So he's working with this new generation through this last year. And he said, he was pointing out recently within the last couple of weeks, we're just getting through it, right? We've been driving through on adrenaline. And you know, when you tune into the way that stress works, that's exactly the case. You push through until that adrenaline is gone. And then you realize, wow, you burn through all your reserves and there's and nothing there to catch adrenal you. fatigue and your body just wants to shut down. And it's like, let's help you and change the course before that happens. Or if that is you right now, let's do something about it now to help you recover so that you're not ending up in a much worse state, right? Because if you're feeling sick and if you're feeling that you're at the edge and you're not doing it, something about it, something very different than what you've been doing, you're just going to keep going into that negative spiral. And I think it was Albert Einstein that said, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You've been doing the same thing for years and you think it's going to change you know, adding that little bit of yoga or that, you know, once a week meditation is not going to shift the needle. It's not going to help you to make real lasting change and have the tools that when crisis hits, because the next crisis is always coming, you know how to really show up and not let that derail you. You know how to, you know, really focus inward and keep yourself in a state to not necessarily power through, right? But to get through it in as balanced way as possible 
that's not causing you to be constantly drained. And that's helping you to fill yourself up as fast as it goes out. So I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, that you made that point that it's, we just can't, we can't wait until we're at zero and then look for a solution. We have to be our own advocate and bring in these tools. So I love that you're making this available and starting the conversation. You know, that's where it has to start. You know, we have to give ourselves permission to look for a solution. First, you have to acknowledge that you're worth finding a solution. So, and definitely, I mean, I can't think of a more worthy group of people, more heart-centered, more devoted to what they're doing because yeah, it's pretty close to a thankless job, (laughs) unfortunately. And the fact is, is, you know, If you can't invest in yourself, if you can't focus on yourself and your own growth, who's going to do it for you? No one. You know, the analogy of, I use it all the time because it's so real is that when you're in an airplane and the oxygen masks drop, they always say, put your own mask on first. Doesn't matter who's in the seat next to you. Doesn't matter if it's your six month old baby or your 91 year old mother or your, you know, Stranger who is struggling and needs help, you know, that nurse, medical professional, doctor instinct to be like, oh, I've got to jump to help. You need to put your own mask on first because you can't help anybody if you're unconscious lying on the plane floor. And really getting that through, you'd think it's an easy concept to understand, but we're pretty stubborn sometimes as medical <laughs> professionals. And we're like, I can do it. I'm, you know, nurse, superwoman, superman doctor. And it's like, you know, whatever it is that you're telling yourself, it's not true, actually. You need help. You need support. You need to fill up that cup first. You need to put on the oxygen mask first. And you know, you need to know how to maintain that. It's not just about putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off. You have to know how to keep it on, right? You got to learn how to walk around with the oxygen mask on so you can help people and still have what you need, right? And until you understand that that is one of the most important things you can ever master, you're going to keep on this big roller coaster roll that nobody likes being on. Let's smooth out the ups and the downs and bring it back to a manageable balancing act because it can be manageable. Yeah. It's like, do you want to be at the mercy in the center of the ocean all the time when the big tidal waves are coming? Or do you want to be the person who is able to just sit on the beach as the gentle waves come over your feet and be able to have the confidence to know that when you need to, you can step out and get out of the water. You don't got to sit in it. You know how to handle that. So it's something I certainly feel blessed and privileged to be able to support you know, my colleagues to be able to support this career field that I love is such an essential part of our society, you know, that we need to be able to take care of these individuals and these professionals and help them really take care of themselves is the ultimate goal. And so you have for the folks who are tuning in a couple of different tools, love tools. So let us know what they can find. We're going to have the links in the show notes so folks can find that link, but what can they take a look for there? So if you go to our website, www.keysofprosperity.com, right in the the very, on the homepage will be our prosperity quotient test, the prosperity quiz. And this is really about discovering what your own strengths are that are going to help you be prosperous and what behaviors, uh, what self-sabotaging behaviors you might be doing that's holding you back from prosperity. We provide some tips and some direction on how you can overcome that. And then if you are debating whether or not you're experiencing burnout, 
and you know, you might be experiencing some of the symptoms that we talked about, but you're not quite sure. The very first link at the top of the website is the free burnout quiz. So I can actually go there and do that quiz and kind of get that answer once and for all about whether what you're experiencing is actually burnout. And if it is, what you can start to do to take care of it to help manage that. Beautiful. I love it. So be sure to head on over to Tessa's website and take a look at those very helpful tools. And then really quickly, as we wrap up, I know you said, and and I have a lot of tricks myself for coming back to balance or when I'm starting to feel stressed out, but is there one that you would share with our listeners? One of the best things I like to really change the state you're in is physically moving your body. And sometimes when you're exhausted or you're tired, the last thing you might think of is going and working out or doing some physical activity when you've been on your feet all day. But the fact is most of the physical activity that many people are doing on their job is not actively re-energizing you. Whereas if you get out, you go for, let's say, even at the end of the day, you go for like a 15, 20 minute walk in nature. You're just deep breathing that nice fresh air. You're going to feel completely different after your walk than you felt when you started And just something small like that. Sometimes if you don't have a lot of time, there's a handy little tool called a rebounder, like a little trampoline. And even getting on that for like five minutes and really getting your body moving, getting your heart rate going, you'd be amazed how much that can re-energize you at the end of a long day. It's moving your lymph system. It's helping move toxins out of your body. You know, if you're drinking enough water at that, (laughs) maybe you're not drinking enough water and you realize that the trampoline, oh, time to have a big glass of water. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised at how many medical professionals are not drinking enough. <laughs> you know, you're giving your patients the IV bag. It's time you take your own, so to speak. So just those very simple things, you know, it doesn't have to be for like a one hour run. <laughs> it's a small physical activity for you that helps get the blood pumping through your body, that helps change up your physical state, that helps you take in that deeper, fresher breath of air and maybe disengage from the people around you. You know, have some you time, even just for a short period of time can really change how you're feeling. Yes. I love the rebounder. It's a little mini trampoline. If you're not familiar with it, you should be. And it's a great alternative too. If the weather isn't fantastic and you don't want to get out for a walk, that bouncing is terrific. And to your point, I mean, in so many different levels, but terrific for the lymphatic system, which boosts our immunity, which really gets depleted when we're stressed out. And so love on yourself a little bit. Yes. exactly. Yeah. And bounce around like a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Put some great music on, get the vibes going. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's also high on my list. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for what you're doing and carrying this message out. I know you, you got kind of a tough crowd listening. Nurses and doctors, they're not always a receptive audience. They think they got it all unlocked, but this is the opportunity. And especially right now with everything that we've been through in the last year, you know, if you're a little more open to recognizing that things aren't working out for you, this is a powerful place to get started. So Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for your time and take good care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.